We thank you for your goodness and your mercies, your faithfulness. Thank you, Father God, for loving us with an everlasting love. When we did not love you, when we were yet sinners, when we were ungodly, yet in spite of all of that, you loved us. And your love is everlasting concerning us. We embrace you tonight. We bless your name tonight. Thank you, Father God. And so now, Lord, we thank you for opening the eyes of our understanding, bringing us light, bringing us understanding, so we may come to know you in the sense in which you want us to know you. This is life eternal. That we, make it, we may get to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So, Lord Jesus, we thank you that you rule and reign in our lives, in our hearts, in every endeavor that we are involved in. Thank you, Father. We bless and we honor you. In Jesus' name, you may take your seat. Thank you. Amen. Hallelujah. This is day number three in this journey into Jesus Christ. Really, that's what it is. Uh, Monday night, we saw from John chapter 1 that Jesus Christ is God. He's the Son of God and definitely is God. And that not anything that was made was made except he made it all. Last night, we saw how this great God can be comfortable in the midst of nobility, came to the village of Cana of Galilee, brought the extraordinary God into an ordinary situation, into a home setting, and became the joy of that entire uh, feast. You know, as, as I went home, thinking back on what Jesus did in John chapter 2, it just absolutely blew my mind again and again and again. And I hope you guys understand how to use these messages and chapters in your own prayer life. He was invited to the wedding. And ultimately became the key to the success of that wedding. So the point I'm making is this. Don't take anything for granted that it's too small for Jesus to be invited to. Don't take, I mean, whatever it is you're dealing with, whatever is happening with you, whatever you need, don't take it for granted that, ah, oh, Jesus is too busy. I, mean, I hear that all the time. Things will happen to people say, oh, Pastor, we don't want to bother you because we know you're too busy. Well, I am busy. And truly, I don't want to know about when your dog has a headache. But... That is not to say that we think that God is like humans, whereby he has X number of minutes, X number of hours, and therefore we don't want to bother him with things that's happening with us. He wants to be involved. That's what we saw from last night. But not only that, what really blew my mind is this. Any of us that's ever held a party, you know how you go through the final count, how many people are coming, 100, 200, 250. Why are you counting? You are counting because at the end of the day, it's going to cost you money. Is that not correct? <laughs> so I'm just, I'm just thinking, I said, wait a minute. Jesus just blew that completely over because he saved that family from embarrassment of running out of wine, which in that society is a big to-do. What? That reminds me of years ago, actually. First missions banquet that we ever held. Pastor Dollar and some other guys came to my, to my banquet and we finished the banquet and they had to go next door to McDonald's to eat. <laughs> That was years ago. I mean, that's, that's amazing. Couldn't you remember that? I mean, that's, they, they went next door to where I was holding the meeting and go get a Big Mac. <laughs> Obviously, I did not invite Jesus to that banquet. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> but I was just thinking last night. I said, wow, this is amazing. This guy was about to run out of wine. And Jesus performed a stupendous miracle that produced 180 gallons of wine 
So I'm now saying to myself, okay, now, if everyone in the party drank a gallon of wine, which that would, I'm sure, I don't think anybody would do that. But can you imagine how much wine was there? The surplus that came as a result of that invitation. So I'm saying this to say this. Don't underestimate what God can do in your situation. All he's asking is, give me a chance. Give me a chance. Amen? Amen. So I want you to, to recall that, to know how to use that for your own personal life going forward. Everything that's happened to you, Jesus is interested in it. And it can be the big factor, the big difference in the outcome and the result. Amen? Amen. All right, so tonight, uh, so last night we saw him in a simple setting with a humble family who obviously didn't have too much. So tonight we're going to see him in John, uh, John chapter 3, begin from verse 1. Let me read a few verses like we did last night and then we're going to come back and try to unpack it. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So it's everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I said to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his own Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God. Okay, so we've read quite a few verses there, so let's just begin to unpack them as, as much as we can. So here in this verse 1, we're introduced to this man by the name of Nicodemus. And the Bible says very clearly, defines Nicodemus for us. There is a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. Now, to help us understand why Jesus addressed him the way he did, we need to find out, or we need to try to understand what the mindset of the average Pharisee back then was. 
This is important. Now, a Pharisee back in the day was select or elect men who had made a vow of consecration to set themselves apart to total complete obedience to the laws of God. The laws, the, ten, the laws that Moses gave. Now, it was a big deal. Because back in that time, there were only 6,000 Pharisees ever. 6,000. This is, if you will, like an Ivy Club, Ivy League Club of religious people. Now, you didn't become a Pharisee unless you came before three witnesses. And the three witnesses, you went through the rituals of initiation and all of that stuff where you make that commitment. And those three witnesses are supposed to be like your accountability partners to make sure that you will definitely obey those laws as you already uh, committed to. Now, so these were very select, elect people in the society. Now, the Pharisees were so, uh, they, they were such stickler for the law, they read through all these laws that Moses gave, and they said, yes, indeed, the laws of God are perfect and complete. However, they felt like there were certain elements of that law that needed further defining. I'm sharing this because you need to understand their mindset so you can know why Jesus addressed them the way he did, all through the scriptures. For instance, where the law says the Sabbath is holy, that the, the, that the Jews should not work on the Sabbath. The Pharisees says, wait a minute, that, work, that definition of work is too generic. Thou shalt keep the Sabbath holy, you should not work. So they say, you know what, let's have an addendum. And in this addendum, we will define what work is. So that nobody can be misled when he says you should not work on the Sabbath. What does that mean? Can you feed your dog? Can you eat? Can... So, so, <laughs> so these guys went back and reduced some more regulations that redefined certain things from their perspective that they thought was not clear enough. And then on top of that, they had a third. Uh, so, so, so the first one is like the Micmash, that's what they called it. And then the third one is the Talmud, which they used to now do a commentary on their redefinition of the things they expanded on. Do you understand what I'm saying? And they also took it as their position to examine every prophet to make sure if these prophets are indeed from God and if they are not, to pull him down. So you can understand their thinking when a man came on the scene and said, I am the son of God. Really? Because they thought if God is going to send his son, surely he should first get permission from the Pharisees to... <laughs> So not only was Nicodemus a Pharisee, he was also a ruler, which means he was a teaching Pharisee. You get it? Now, he came to Jesus by night for two reasons. Number one, he was afraid of his skin. In other words, he was afraid of the persecution and the ridicule of his college of Pharisees. If they should ever find out that anybody that's this elect will ever go to this man called Jesus. But secondly, and more importantly, because he understood that at night, uh, everything chilled. There was more time, both for him and for the Lord Jesus, to really have a communion and talk with him. Okay? So he came by night. And he says, no one can do these things or these signs unless God is with him. And notice Jesus in verse 3. He didn't even entertain the thought of the, uh, uh, is it, uh, what you want to call this, uh, compliment. He didn't go there with him at all. Immediately, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I mean, come on, Jesus. This guy just wants to know, validate yourself. No one can do what you're doing except God is with him. 
Let's talk about that for a minute. The place of the miraculous. Is it in fact true that anyone that does supernatural things are sent by God? Okay. Let, let, let's go to the scriptures. In Exodus. I, I won't turn to it, but let's just... Exodus. God sent Moses to Pharaoh's palace. Is that correct? He threw his rod down. It became a snake. The magicians came, threw their rods down. It became a snake. And he rod, the snake from the rod of Moses swallowed theirs up. So right there and then, if the signs alone were, were, were the only things... Those magicians will immediately say, wait a minute, Moses, your God is greater, and just follow Moses. But that didn't happen. Now, there's a very important rule for the miraculous. Signs and wonders are authentic from God, and God uses them, I mean, incredibly. However, we must always be careful to know what is the motivation behind what it is that's happening. In Acts chapter 4, and I won't go there, I'll just give you the paraphrase, and then we're going to move on. When Peter was on the way to the temple, and a man that had been lame from his mother's womb was healed miraculously. Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. The guy rose up and he walked. Now, when Peter was stopped later, now I'm trying to show you the use of signs and wonders so you know how to use it and you know how to, how, how to, how to, um, what, what, you know, the correct use of it. Okay? When Peter was later asked, Actually, he got in trouble for doing what he did. Of course, the Pharisees and the elders got him up there and said, what, what's wrong with you? You're spreading this thing in Jerusalem. Be careful. Don't do this again. He told them, point blank, that what you just saw, I had nothing to do with it. The Jesus that you persecuted, crucified, is not alive. His reason from the dead is not alive. And that their salvation is in none other but at the name of Jesus Christ. This is the point. Anytime you see signs and wonders that glorifies God, that points back to God and send people back to, this, to, the, to the one who did the sign and wonder is of God. A witch doctor will never give God credit. A false prophet will never say God did it or tell you to use the sign and wonder to lead you to salvation. Never. Amen? Amen. Okay, good. So now Jesus says, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? What is the kingdom of God? Simply, the rule and reign of God on the earth. The rule and reign of God in the earth. It is a spiritual kingdom and it is not of this world. That is why uh, it's, it's good to know that distinction because, you see, you and I as human beings, we live in two worlds. We live in the kingdom of God and we live in the nasty now, now. We are in this world but not of this world. You see, so as long as you allow the rule and reign of God to be the one that determines what you do, how you do it, you are existing in this other world, but you follow the protocol of the kingdom of God. That's how you get kingdom results. But sometimes we get turned in, in between, and we're trying to get kingdom results, but we're employing the protocol of the, uh, of the now. So that's not going to work. So here, for the first time, we see this term, born again, used. Now, when Jesus told him, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said something that someone said to me years ago. I won't mention the person's name. But I remember I was sharing with a particular person years ago, earlier on in ministry. And uh, that individual told me, he said, Bank, look at my walls. I'm the, this in the Methodist church. I'm that in the Methodist church. I'm that in the Methodist church. And I looked on the wall. And the walls had all these uh, diplomas and credentials. And so they said to me, you are asking me to re-enter my mother's womb to be born again? 
That was the question they asked me back in that day. So that's what Nicodemus is saying. Born again? Are you kidding me? As old as I am, a Pharisee, to re-enter my mother's womb and be reborn? And then Jesus goes on to answer him. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So Jesus is going to further define to Nicodemus the means or the process of being born again. To be born again, you have to be born of the water and of the spirit. Now, water there can mean two things. One, it can mean the word of God. Because to be born again, somebody has to tell you something. You heard something. Okay? So, the water there can represent the word of God, and we have enough scriptures to, to back that up. First uh, Peter one twenty three tells us how we are born again by the incorruptible seed, okay? And by the word of God, which lives and abides forever. So, the word of God there can, be, can, can definitely be uh, the water, uh, the cleansing by the water of the word of God, Ephesians 5.26, okay? It takes a hearing to have the faith to be able to believe. So you get born by the water and by the spirit. It's a combination of both. Water also there could also mean Jesus was talking about the water baptismal experience that happens in the life of a believer. He's taking the Codemus through these steps so he can have a better understanding unless you are born of the water and of the spirit, you cannot be uh, entered into the kingdom of God. Okay. So he goes on and says, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. Every man or woman, every one of us that reproduces and has a child, you just beget on that flesh. So he said to him, he said to Nicodemus, you are born in the flesh. As long as your connection and your birth is, is only tied to Adam, Adam only beget flesh. That's it. Flesh begets flesh. So you must, be, he, let me, let me read it correctly. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. In order for you to have a spiritual rebirth or to be born again, you have to be born from above by the spirit of God. Just as the flesh begets flesh, the spirit also begets spirit. That's why all of us must have both of those experiences. The fact that you are here as a human being, you are born of the flesh already. But it takes a supernatural ability of God, the spirit of God working in your spirit, to get you recreated to be born again, and in so doing, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. It gets more interesting. He said, Do not marvel, as that I said to you, you must be born again. Then Jesus begins to try to explain to Nicodemus that not only let me let me let me unpack it like this: not only do we need to know what the born again experience is, now he begins to tell him that after being born again, there are significant effects of the born again experience. And this is important for all of us. Not only are we born again, but by virtue of being born again, at some point in time, we should begin to see the effects of being born again. If the Spirit of God actually has done a work in our hearts, we should begin to see it. Now, let me read it here in verse 8. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from. And where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Everyone who is born of the spirit. You don't know where they came from. And you don't know where they're going. If I look across this sanctuary right now. I'm just looking at human beings. Okay. And un unless I really know you. I don't know where you came from. For all we know. God forbid. God forbid what I'm about to say. But for all we know. 
There may be people here on the sex offender list. That's where you came from. And for all we know, even as we speak right now, there may be new, there may be a Secretary of State, USA, 2016, 2020, in this room. In other words, Jesus is telling Nicodemus, Nicodemus, Nick, let me tell you about the Spirit of God. You cannot look at a person and determine where they're coming from or going. Because by the time the Spirit gets done with them, what you thought you knew, erased. The people you and I have written off with our eyes, with our mouth, with our comments, they may very well be the, who would have thought God could use Apostle Paul? A murderer. On a CV. If, if, if Paul could write a CV, he was a murderer. A Pharisee. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So, Jesus is like, Nick, be careful. The people that are ingredients for the kingdom of God, for greatness and kingdom of God, you don't know, you don't know what kind of people they are. If we are to line them up and begin to say, tell, tell us where your background. What? You, you used to do that? What? 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 We said, no, it's not possible that you can ever be used of God. And yet, what we're seeing is what we just know now. We don't know where God is taking you. Just as we don't know where you came from, we don't know where you're going. That's the working of the Spirit. So what I'm saying to you is, you need to recognize you're just a work in progress. Where you are today is not a finished work. God is just taking you through to bring you to where he wants you to be. And you will get there. Because just as the wind blows, you hear it blowing. You can see it. You just hear the wind, zoom, zoom, zoom. But everybody, after the wind has gone through a place, you can see the effect of it. Houses are turned down. Grass is moving. Leaves are flying all over the place. You cannot deny that the wind has blown through the place. So he cautions Nicodemus. You must be born of the spirit. Because this spiritual birth is a serious thing. I'm almost picturing in my mind that God, Jesus is looking at Nicodemus and says, Nick, you're a Pharisee today. By the time I get done with you, you'll be bigger than that. And you almost can say that. Because when you read later in the account of the Gospels, Nicodemus was one of the ones that warned his fellow Pharisees, leave this man alone. Yes. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Just lift up your hands and say, God, you're, I'm a work in progress. I'm a work in progress. You are not done with me. The world has not seen the best of what you have for me yet. Thank you, Lord Jesus. The world may reject me. They may count me out. But I'm thankful tonight to know, God, you have not counted me out. You are still working in me. Your spirit is doing the work in me. I will arrive at where you're taking me. In the name of Jesus. I'm a work of the spirit in progress. The spirit of God is blowing upon me. Blow upon me. Blow upon me. Yes, Lord. Yes to your ways. Yes to your will. Yes to your spirit. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Yes. It's not over, folks. It's not over by any shot, by any imagination. I guarantee you the wagons are coming. Oh, yes. The wagons are coming. The wagons are coming. The wagons are coming. I can hear the sound of the wagons. The wagons are coming. The wagons are coming. They are bringing your stuff. They are bringing your goods. They are bringing your stuff. And nothing can stop it. In the name of Jesus. Yes. Mm. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Amen. Verse 9. Nicodemus answered and said to him, How can these things be? You know, I really don't blame Nick too much. Mind you, you and I have the benefit 
of the entire scriptures. We just read last night or night before, Jesus is the son of God. This guy didn't know that. And somebody is standing before him and he being one of those that should be experts in the word of God. And he's telling him all these things. So this guy scratches his head. How can these things be? He's not speaking unbelief here. He just wants to know. How can these things be? But Jesus did not give him any slack. Why? Because to whom much is given, much is required. If you're going to be an expert of the law, a ruler of the Jews, you need to know these things. So in verse 10, Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Now this is interesting here because Jesus would not have said that to him if in fact it was not possible for Nicodemus to have known. This is why we said in previous teachings that the Old Testament is indeed the New Testament contained. Because if you really, truly understand the Old Testament, Jesus is all over the place. All over the place. Every, every book of the Old Testament, all of it pointed to him. So Jesus is challenging him. If you don't have the new yet, I understand that. But how can you be the teacher in Israel with everything that's been said? And you still don't know who I am? Luke 24, remember Jesus said, beginning from Moses, and all the prophets, he expanded to them about himself. He was teaching his disciples, and there was no New Testament. But he did it from Moses and the prophets. In a couple of days, we're going to get there in John 5, 39. The Bible says, search ye the scriptures. For in them, you think you have life. But they are they that testify of me. So clearly, Jesus expected for these people to know. Now, uh, how much time do I have? Go with me to Ezekiel 36. I can't go all the way there, but I can just go there. Ezekiel 36. This is what I've been saying to us. How much God loved David. Because David, even though he lived in the old, appreciated and apprehended the plan of God for the era that was way ahead of him. In any dispensation, wherever God finds a man or a woman who sought after him, God will give you the privilege of that thing that you're seeking. In other words, even though those guys lived in the Old Testament days, where they were under the law and all of those things, men and those that searched and reached out to God, God took them out of that system and gave them the system of the, of the, of the new day to come. Enoch was no more. He walked with God. He was no more. Elijah did not die. Hello? He didn't die. David saw the new day. There's no question about it. Ah, yeah, 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 yeah. But anyway, let, let me... Ezekiel 36. I forgot. We're under time. Ezekiel 36. Okay. Look at verse 24. Actually, we can, we, can read, we can read a lot, but let's just read from verse 24. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all the countries, and bring you to your own land. Did that happen? Then I will sprinkle clean water on you. What did you just say? But you must be born again by what? The water and the spirit. Ah, okay. Thank you. I will, I, will, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from your, all your idols. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. This is the Old Testament. Now, we can unpack this tonight. It's too much stuff in there. 
But I just want you to remember what we've been saying for weeks now. God is saying, I take responsibility for your work. Oh, maybe I just said it. Let me read it again. No, let me read it again. Verse 27. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk. Cause you. He will make it happen. That's what he said he will do. This is plain New Testament verses right there. Because in the Old Testament, number one, the spirit of God was not within them. He came upon people at different times to do different things for God. But God said, a day is coming when I'm going to gather you, put you in your own land. I will wash you with water. You'll be clean. I'll clean you, I'll clean you from the filthiness and the, and the uncleanliness. I'll cause my spirit to be upon you. But not only that, I'll cause him to be within you and cause you to walk and do my judgments. Ah, I just want to get one point before I close tonight. Just one point. I, I can't develop that any further because of time. Okay? Let's just jump. Verse 14. And as Moses lifted up his serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. He's now telling Nicodemus how it happened. He's talking about the born again experience, the effect of this experience, what happens to a believer when they're born again. You don't know where they're coming from or where they're going, what the Spirit will do. Now he's telling him how it's going to happen. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, the Son of Man will be lifted up. He's now telling him that he's going to go to the cross and die. But he didn't stop there. And this is where I want to close. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Please tonight, I want you to go home with just one thing. Forget everything that I've said. Just go home with this one thing. I want you to recognize tonight what your part is in this whole deal. Because Jesus is telling us now what your part is. Whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, what, believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who, he who does not believe in him is condemned already. Why? Why are they condemned? Because he has not believed in the name of his only begotten son of God. What's the point I'm making tonight? There's one responsibility only. Believe. Now, I'm about to drop a bomb. So take cover now before I drop it. Jesus did not say here that anybody will die and go to hell for their sins. Now, the Pharisees here, now I can see you now, you're already scratching your head. <laughs> you, will not find the, you will not find it here. There's only one reason where people will die and go to hell. Only one reason. Unbelief. Unbelief. You say, wait a minute. <laughs> I told you last night, dealing with sin is God's part. If you and I live a thousand and one years, you cannot deal with sin. You can't. That's why God gamed the system. That's why God, God became a man. So that as a man, he fulfills the justification of the law. A man broke the law, a man will satisfy it. The only challenge is this man is not an ordinary man. He's a man that has God in him. Who has never broken any law. So he took care of the sin. The problem with you and I is. We are scratching your head. I don't think it's not possible. You are forgiven. Uh, are you sure? Uh, I don't know. I, I, I can't believe this. It's too easy. How can you just forgive me like that? Man has been wired to do penance. You are wired. You must do something. Come on, Greg. You, can you take a vacation? You can't. Because while you are there you will be finding something to fix. The chair is broken. 
If it's not broken, you break it so you can fix it. That's man. And God is saying, listen to me. I have fixed that. Can you believe me that I did it for you? Now, when we are saying this, some people say, Pastor, you are giving people license to go and say, no, 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 you missed it. You missed it completely. No, it has nothing to do with that. Because when you understand what he paid, the price he had to pay in order to do it for me or you, ah, you will not want to cross him at all. I was amazed. I read it again. I got different translations. I said, come on, God, it can't be this simple. Whoever believes in him should not perish. That's what he says. Whoever believes in him should not perish. As simple as that. As simple as that. I have done the work. I have paid the price. I have appeased the wrath of God. Hear me. God is no longer angry at man. Because the wrath of God was poured upon his son. And when Jesus went to that cross, you were in him. Just as you were in Adam when he sinned, you were in him. He said, can you believe that? Can you just believe it? Can you just believe that I did it? The reason people will go to hell because they choose not to believe. Every man that lived before today, every man that will live in the future have already been forgiven. Those that came to the altar and those that didn't come, they are all forgiven. But you cannot receive that forgiveness unless you believe. That's the issue. So those who have refused to believe it, they stay condemned. God didn't condemn them. They condemn themselves. It's too simple. It's too simple. Greg, when you go on vacation, don't break anything so you can fix it. <laughs> he said, I will rest. Oh, wow. This was too much for me. He who believes in him is not condemned. Now, for, look at verse 17 again. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. Can you see that? All the condemnation and the guilt that we are carrying. I blew up this. I messed this up. God said, listen, it was never my intention to condemn you. Why are you condemning yourself? Why are you living on a guilt and a shame that God has not placed you on? He never intended for me and you to do that. But he who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Because when you believe in his name, you are saying, I believe in everything you've done including the forgiveness of my sins. I believe it. I believe in your name. And to believe in his name means everything he has done. Completely. I believe it. I sign up for it. I affirm it. It's done. You did it. Thank you for doing so. That's the only part we have. Can you guys believe tonight? You sure? Now this is how it works. Just so we can bring it home. If you truly believe this, because you cannot give what you've not received, if you truly believe this and you receive this from God and say, God, I believe in your name, which includes my forgiveness, my healing, my prosperity. I believe it. You've done it. I believe it. Then the manifestation of your believing and receiving it, you, you need to start giving it away. You need to. You need to. If you receive forgiveness, you should give forgiveness. If God has not condemned you, don't condemn anybody. No matter what you see. Remember, you don't know where the spirit is coming from. You don't know where it's going. So you cannot see a man or a woman in a condition and you label them. How dare we do that? So if that's been happening to you, you need to ask the Spirit of God to help you come out of that. For God so loved the world. That word so, S-O, shows how deep his love is. 
God so, so loved the world. It shows how deep it will go to show that love to me and you. And the Bible says he loved the world. The world, not just USA, not just Nigeria, not just Jamaica, not just uh, uh, Trinidad. No, no, he loved the world. The world. The ones that are primitive, the ones that are civilized, the Arabs, the Jews, he loved the world. And where this love is found, it will always give. He so loved the world, he gave. He gave. He gave. He said, let me get understand. The reception of love is believing. He gave his only begotten son so that whosoever believeth in him, that's our role, that's our part, just to believe, shall never perish. What an assurance. If you believe, you don't perish. The only reason people perish is unbelief. I believe, therefore I will not perish. Am I the only one here tonight? Yes. <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I don't, I, don't, I don't know about you guys, man. I believe and I will not perish. <laughs> Hallelujah! Father, Help our unbelief tonight. In the name of his son Jesus, we thank you for this incomprehensible love where you have loved us. And the only thing you are asking in return is we just believe. We starve our doubt from this day forward. We embrace belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for loving us. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God.